righty. I think we're live. Uh, Katrina. Well, first of all, welcome everyone to Unsafe Space. I'm Carter. Carrie's not around, but I'm with Katrina. Um, hi, Katrina. How you doing? <laughs> hey, I'm doing pretty good. What, what should be? Are you should enjoying the bus- ride? Should we tell people what to go to follow you? Should, are you plugging something like go X um, follow Katrina? Uh, I don't know anymore. Uh, Twitter has really jumped the shark even more lately with the censorship of conservatives. And, you know, it's, I'm not sure that you can in good conscience even be on that platform anymore. Um, Been debating starting a telegram channel instead, but uh, yeah, it's still on YouTube. Um, So yeah, we don't tell anyone to go there. So there's like literally nothing there. Um, yeah, I didn't even know that you had one. <laughs> yeah, you have YouTube. Um, I'll I put yeah, the link. YouTube still going. Yeah. All right. Well, people that, can go. That would be the main place to go. I don't even know really what to talk about today, Katrina. I just I missed you and wanted to talk to you. Although you and I ended up chatting yesterday because I said, "Do you want to do a live stream?" Um, have you seen these? Have you seen our mugs? These are the. the I very- haven't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. They're um probably not the most practical, but you know, still fun, still fun. Um, yeah. Anyway, what what's uh? I kind of just wanted to talk to you because you always have interesting perspectives on stuff that sometimes I have thought of, but a lot of times I'm like, oh, I didn't think about it from that perspective. Um. I don't know. I feel, I feel like I just want to say what the hell's going on in the world and what, how do you feel about it? But I, that's way too open-ended, but I can start there. Do you want to just like, what's <laughs> going on, Katrina? Yeah, sure. What is going on? Right. Um, well, uh, it certainly is feeling more and more to a lot of people. Like there are a variety of significant shifts happening. Um, you know, kind of that feeling of, uh, tectonic displacement, you know, the world sort of literally shifting under your feet. Uh, And it's obviously been building for a while, but it certainly seems like in the past just week here, a couple of days, that it's really, it's really kind of come together um, to a really large degree that that's hard to ignore. You know, it's one of the reasons why, um, I'm I'm less inclined to bother with Twitter at this point because it's like you're you're kind of on there to kind of get the word out, but the word is out, you know. Like the bell's been rung, it can't be unrung, and if you don't know what's going on, it's because you're too stupid, <laughs> and there's no <laughs> point. There's no point in talking to you anymore, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's pretty interesting to see as someone who. You know, I I have a maybe a bit of a reputation from my YouTube for being a conspiracy theorist, which I think is funny because I don't actually propose any theories and I don't subscribe to any, or at least I don't say which ones I subscribe to. Um, I just find them interesting to learn about. Sure. <laughs> um, and, you know, my, my kind of mantra here for a while has been, um, you know, basically like you, you should look at these things seriously because it's not just 
random crazies who believe this stuff. Um, and many, many conspiracies turn out to be true in the right. long run as well. You know, um, one kind of popular saying um, among those people is that like the conspiracy theory of history is the most active, accurate, most predictive theory of history. Um, and so anyway, so I spent a lot of time talking about that. And it's just been interesting to see just in really the last, days, I'd say six months, how mainstream a lot of that has become. So we had a couple of really remarkable things. One is, and it didn't start with this mass shooting, I'd say it started with Parkland. Mm -hmm. Starting with Parkland, everyone thinks it's a false flag. I mean, everyone, <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's no longer this like, oh, bully people over Sandy what? Hook, like fringe, whatever. Um, so yeah, so yeah, that's the other thing that's complicated, right? It's because, um, you know, a lot of people kind of in there, I don't even know if this is genuine, maybe it's disingenuous, but um, a lot of people in the Sandy Hook stuff are like, this is terrible. You're saying that these people's kids didn't really die. It's like, no, that's not what a false flag is. I mean, it could be, it could be, you could have something 100% staged. That would be one type of false flag, you know, like the moon landing or something maybe was 100% staged and that was a false flag in that sense. Most of the time, um, it's, it's something less than that. It's like, it's maybe even just a little nudge, right? Like it's the fact that all of these shooters seem to have relatives who are part of three-letter agencies. Um, you know, the the Unabomber, for instance, having been part of, like, literally part of the MK Ultra brainwashing program, right? Was that a false flag? No, but it was. Did that happen in a vacuum? Did the government have nothing to do with that? No. And then there's the other extreme, like Project Northwoods which is the famous one, right, where the CIA drew up an entire plot to blow up, I want to say, a mall, um, an American mall to, to kill a bunch of Americans uh, and frame um, communists for it uh, in order to justify, um, you know, going, going into some war, basically. Um, that was vetoed or whatever, that, that wasn't allowed to go forward um, by JFK, but the fact remains that they drew up the plans. Um, and, you know, we this know other things thing. like MKL are real. Yeah, like that. Right. So all, so all of this stuff is real. And then, of course, because we know that these things are being kind of planned, it's like, well, which exact event that ends up playing out in reality is one of these. Right. Um, and that's what you usually don't know until if ever a long time after the fact, um, unless someone just kind of screws up. And um, but it's been interesting how this was just not part of the dialogue. This was not something people knew about generally. Um, you know, if they knew about it, it was as something to make fun of that was like kooky that they would dismiss. And now it's like, you know, I, I think I said it was Parkland and it really wasn't Parkland. I think it was Vegas. I think the Vegas shooting was the turning point because it just <laughs> made no sense. It just made no sense that we had the largest mass shooting in our country's history in such a public way, in such a dramatic way, and then no answers. Just no answers. <laughs> and, and, and it's been ignored that, now. Like, we're not even looking for answers anymore. Like, never mind. Right. I mean, you know, there have been people like Laura Loomer and some other investigative journalists have, like, really tried to push. And even some people who are very aggressive, very good journalists haven't been able to find anything out. And there was so much obviously shady stuff, right? Like, there's video cameras everywhere in Vegas. How do we not have more video of right. what happened, right? There were the reports from... Without getting... Yeah. 
caught on camera. The first responders, the first responders to the hotel room had conflicting accounts, right? Whether the guy was dead when they got there, whether um, there was evidence of other people in the room. Um, there were claims about what was on his computer. Did he have political materials on his computer that were covered up? He had a girlfriend who left the country and the government was just like, chill. Okay, see you later. Bye. We don't think she had anything to do with it. You know, like, I mean, it's just bizarre. And then there was the really strange interviews with his brother where his brother was obviously lying um, about not knowing anything about what happened. Um, and so, you know, people started paying attention and then, you know, combine that with the internet, we have the ability to kind of trace this stuff ourselves. People started paying attention and then Parkland happened and Parkland was like, again, like this total disaster. It was like, here's a kid with 30, 50 reports gone to the FBI and the FBI doesn't do anything about it. I mean, yeah. Okay. Maybe that's incompetence or maybe they kind of want this stuff to happen. Maybe there's a reason they want this stuff to happen. Um, it does seem to further the agenda that a lot of people sign on to. And by the way, that law enforcement signs on to, I mean, this is one of the delusions on the right that I really hope pops next. The idea that law enforcement is on your side. The vast majority of law enforcement would prefer for citizens to be disarmed. Absolutely. Uh, that's, that's the fact of the matter. Um, and people really need to wake up. And I say, I mean, I used to work for the police this is why I, I feel a lot more comfortable saying this. Um, you know, at the time that I worked for the police, the police were a lot better than they are now. And even when I worked for them, I would say at best 50% of cops are like good people and 50% are terrible people. Um, yeah. And those I, aren't I, great odds when someone's knocking on your door. Yeah. That's been my experience. And I, I, as you know, I used to train, uh, train with and train um, police and some military um, people in firearms. And I remember I started out mostly in, mostly like private citizen, but also military people world of gun training. And I remember when we would start doing stuff with cops, I would, I kind of had this assumption because I did find the military people to be a little bit more pro second amendment and like conservative leaning of, of the, at least the people that I was training with. And I kind of expected the same out of cops, but I remember being shocked that it was like, not like that at all. They cops were little tyrants. Mostly he's like totally, totally into shooting dogs, kicking down doors, hoping people could be disarmed. Like they're not, they're the arm of the police state in a much more real way than an average Marine is. Right. Well, they're not the ones who are signing up to defend us against foreign enemies, right? They're the ones who are signing up to fight the drug war. Tar target Americans, um, you know, you know, and nothing wrong. I'm not against enforcing the law. Obviously, I wish we would enforce the laws. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's a, there's definitely a different mentality there. And I'm sympathetic to all the complex reasons for that the drug war, um, you know, the fact that, um, you know, police could go do what should be a simple car stop and just randomly get shot because the person they pulled over happens to be involved in drugs and have something in the car they don't want found or they're just dumb and low impulse, low impulse control um, and, you know, decide to pull the trigger. So, so I get it, like it sucks. Um, but at the same time, um, I think people need to get more realistic <laughs> about the general attitudes of police um, and just the fact also that they're not going to protect you, um, especially if you're on the right. I mean, we've just seen this. There's another thing we see like over and over now, right? It's like so many videos of people being attacked by Antifa and the police are right there and the police do nothing. And then another, so there's another interesting thing that came out recently, right? It's like there was a video, I think um, I, it must have been near a Trump rally. 
a guy gets out of his car and like punches a guy who was there protesting Trump and everyone on the right was all like, Oh, we disavow violence. We disavow this violence, blah, 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 whatever. Turns out that guy is (laughs) anti-Trump. The guy, he was mad that the dude was calling him a racist and assuming he was a Trump supporter. So he went out and punched him. But what was really revealing about that video is the cops grab the guy immediately. He throws a punch and he immediately gets grabbed and arrested. Uh, And of course, you know, um, in that case, you have a a left-wing protester, you know, victim. And all of a sudden the police are are actually doing something. Um, So, you know, there's just, the pattern is so overwhelming at this point. And I know, and again, I I know, I, I know some specific things behind the scenes too. Like there are, a healthy percentage of police officers who do not like how this is going. Right. Um, Someone in chat just mentioned cops in his area hate Antifa, but they're told to like back off. They're told to stand down. Right. Yes. But what we also need to be realistic about is that those people who find that frustrating and the leadership, you know, the FBI isn't coming in to save the day like they like they used to, right? It's the FBI's job is, is this is literally what their job is. Their job is supposed to be um, to come in when, um, you know, local police get, off the rails mm-hmm. um, and start, you know, um, favoring uh, one side or the other unfairly. Um, they're not going to do it because they're on that side as well. Um, and so this is just going to continue. And that means that those good cops who are frustrated are just going to quit. They're already quitting. Right. They already can't find enough. They don't have enough police in Oakland. They don't have enough police in San Francisco um, because yeah, it did attract a healthy percentage of these people who actually care about constitutional rights and all that, but they can't hang in there. They're not going to make it. And if they do, it's going to be because they follow these orders. So they're still not healthy. Like even if they want in the heart of hearts, they feel very bad for you as you sit there, you know, getting beaten to death. Like, right. well, I'm sorry, that's not doing us a whole lot of good. Um, so I'm looking forward to that as kind of like the next um, kind of domino to fall. Um, I hope that will make a big difference. Um, the boomer right is definitely resistant to that. It's all blue lives matter. We love our cops, blah, 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 whatever. And it's like, I don't know, man, like it was really funny to me when you saw, um, the rhetoric around like Comey when they were, you know, oh, the FBI is this great institution with a storied history and they're wonderful people. And Comey just ruined it. And I'm sitting here like, are you guys for reals? Like, do you know anything about the history of the FBI? They literally blew up the houses of America. Like they are the the tip of the spear, spear when it comes to gun confiscation in America as well and anti-gun um, attacks by the state. And I mean literal attacks, not like passing laws. I mean going around killing people, right? They're incredibly incompetent. They have just an amazing history of incompetence. Um, that uh, I mean, was, was the, the Miami uh, bank heist. <laughs> case where the guy had his gun on the dashboard while in a car chase and like they fired like like an ungodly number of rounds and didn't hit anybody and like anyway like (laughs) what what like what story like what story history what great success story is there that means we should worship these institutions i mean it's just like it's it's just as made up as the stories that the left has about you know white supremacists everywhere and and nazis whatever and and it's a little more pro-civic than the myths on the left so i don't mind it quite as much but we're getting to the point where you don't really have civic anything anymore (laughs) so you people kind of need to get get past that hurdle but at the very least you know there are broad segments of law enforcement that people are very willing to question, which is what you see with this, you know, every time there's a new shooting now, 
a lot of people on the right are like false flag, false flag, false flag. You know, it's like, so, you know, obviously Parkland and Sheriff Israel, people are all over that. Um, you know, I'm not telling that for a second. The FBI is either incompetence or, you know, intentionally ignoring um, a dangerous person is another one. Um, the very obviously staged nature of the Parkland kids that were pushed out afterward, no impact, right? Like, I mean, so much, um, so much support behind them financially, so much support from the media, um, so much amplification of their message and nothing. <laughs> they haven't moved the needle at all, um, which is pretty impressive. It's, I mean, that's not that's not exactly new. Um, Americans in general, this isn't really well known, but Americans um, pro Second Amendment sort of feelings generally go up after a shooting. Um, and that's always been the case. Um, but I think people have become a lot more you know, inoculated to this kind of stuff. And then of course you had um, the, to me really like a cherry on top. I don't know how much people remember this, but they found a compound in the desert in the US that was training school shooters. Yes. And then they bulldozed it and they let everyone off who was running it. Yep. <laughs> that literally happened. This is when it could, like, I'm not exaggerating at all. This isn't a conspiracy theory. That's what happened. Um, now they were Muslim. Um, so this is part of like an Islamic terrorist like sort of effort. But when you see stuff like this happen and then you see like all these other shady circumstances around these attacks, it's like, yeah, like no kidding. People don't believe any of this stuff is real anymore. You know, the guy that we just had in El Paso, do you see his dad? His dad's like a crazy, like drugged up shrink who hangs out with John of God, who like is literally a human trafficker. Like he had, he, he, he kept that. like human. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, he used to work with John of God, the Brazilian guy who literally keeps women like, like Mad Max Fury Road style. He keeps women as like breeding, like sex slaves. That's, that's real. <laughs> this is real. This is the world. I mean, this is the problem. It's hard to I believe to do with this, Katrina. <laughs> I know. No one's going to believe it. So I'm like, <laughs> I got to write this stuff down. I got to write it all down because it's like, I just, I don't even know how historians are going to deal with this period. It's going to be like too much information. <laughs> yeah. And what? like, none of it is credible. It's really, it's really over. It's really over the top. But it's it real. is. You know, something that uh, someone in the chat just said is the real problem the police or the laws and policies they're asked to enforce. And this is a this is a criticism that I've gotten because my argument here is uh, if you are voluntarily enforcing bad laws, you are guilty of <laughs> enforcing those bad like yeah. use that's like, oh, they're just being asked to enforce bad laws. Well they can say no. They can quit. They can do other things like you don't have to enforce bad laws. That doesn't have to be a thing. But we have this weird. Uh, I don't know what it is, Katrina. Why do we have this emotional attachment to like, well, we should forgive the stormtroopers. Darth Vader's bad, but, you know, they're just doing their job. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. Um. I think that it's true that there's a significant degree of helplessness that people legitimately have in the face of certain powers, let's say. So for instance, you could look at, you know, speaking of false flags, like, like an illegitimate war that was sold to the population as legitimate. 
right? Um, and and say you're drafted. <laughs> well, <Did> that happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll let you guys just do some reading. On your own. Yeah, I'm kidding. Um, but um, yeah, so so you're you know, or say like you're drafted, something like that, right? Um, but I think, and I think we can all kind of empathize with that because it's like, well, who are you likely to be? Are you going to be like the elite who can get out of that situation, or are you the person who's stuck in it? You know, and to some extent, you have to live with what you did. And I think we probably have almost like ancestral, like psychological defenses for that sort of thing because you know anyone look back in your family it's like well you're gonna have someone who fought in a war right sure. like and like of course I can't think of a war that was I can't think of very many wars that were very clear-cut morally right like even if your side was generally on the right side um at least not of the ones that we would kind of have sort of you know in, in near living memory um, I was gonna say, certainly nothing since we've been alive Right. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, so we need some way of dealing with that. Um, so there's that part. But then there is a difference between the person who's drafted. And by the way, most people refuse to fire their weapons when they're drafted. It's only like one in 10 people who even fires um, at anyone. Um, and there's a difference between that person and the person who signs up um, and who, sign who signs up in the police sense, especially where it's like, is there an enemy at the gate that we need to rally? Like, no, it's like, I'm just someone who's interested in building force against people. That could be for a very moral reason. I feel like odds are, it's probably not for the most moral reason. <laughs> or at the best case scenario, you know, it's like a mixed bag. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's like, it's partly because we're all bought into the system. I don't know, I don't, now I'm gonna sound too, too anarchistic or something maybe but it it is something that i noticed just recently in a different sort of context so forget the police okay let's talk about um the law because the law is the real problem in a sense the law is the real problem and the, the the judicial branch are the real tyrants um in our current system um which most people don't really understand how all that works i of course i'm embroiled in my own like legal battle right and i see people even people who are nominally or I say legitimately on the side of kind of truth justice in the American way right like people um, who are fighting to protect people's constitutional rights they still as you know as lawyers um, or you know whatever their role is they're still bought into the system in a way that I think blinds them to some of the like very real problems there, right? And to some degree, to even make it in that system, you have to start to view things through a certain lens. Like for lawyers in particular, they tend to view things as a game. It's like a battle of wits. And it's not really about right and wrong. It stops being about right and wrong. It stops being about justice. They have the thing that they're fighting for, and then they go into a battle, and then they try to like use the right magic combination of words to win against the other side who's also trying to use a magic combination of words, right? And then as the system gets more and more biased and the, the magic combinations of words that work for our side become fewer and fewer, um, they kind of still intentionally make themselves, I think, oblivious to the con like what that means and like where that's heading, right? Because they, they want to main hold on to the idea that they're involved in something fundamentally legitimate even if it, you know, sometimes goes awry. 
And I think we all have that when it comes to the state and force and laws. You know, I mean, we like if you sat down and you had to really confront like, oh, because one of the principles with the ANCAP stuff, right, is like the whole problem with having the government force thing is it's going to attract bad people. Yep. Right. Like you're, you concentrate the power. So you give something for the bad people to go after and gain control of. And so if you are, are bought into a status system and you think that that is the best way to go, then you can't look too closely at the actual individual players involved, right. And how evil they are and um, that kind of stuff, because, you know, otherwise it just kind of tears apart that whole worldview. I don't know. That's my theory. No, I think it makes sense. And, and as I think about it, you're right. Lawyers, I've dealt with a lot of lawyers in my life, not many criminal lawyers, to be honest, but there is a lot of, um, there is a, uh, an air of, <clears throat> there's a belief that they're playing a noble game and that anything that's allowed within the rules by their side and the other side is all noble by virtue of the fact that it's allowed by the rules and it's part of the game and the game as such is noble. So, um, yes. so therefore that's it. And as long as the, both sides follow the rules, then it's the outcome may, like you said, may not always be just, but it's that the game itself is noble. And in general, it's just, and <clears throat> I think it's hard to, it's emotionally traumatic to consider the, the, Hey, what if you're, what if you're a lawyer in a kangaroo court? Have you thought of that? Right. That's a, right. that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this kind of <laughs> societal decay, I guess, um, this, this, clear ongoing collapse of the system is bringing that home for more and more people. And that's part of what you're, what we're seeing, right? It's like uh, going into the 2020 election, it's very, very difficult to see how, who, whatever side loses, <laughs> how they will ever possibly find their way towards seeing that as legitimate. Uh, and that, and that's true if the right loses as well. Right. Yeah, um, I, say, this is I, I think we're screwed in terms of the, the 2020 presidential election is illegitimate already. It will be viewed as illegitimate by at least half the population, no matter what happens. I mean, don't you agree? Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I haven't seen it get better. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I would love to say, you know, Scott Adams is uh, has the right idea. And, you know, eventually that. Um, cognitive dissonance will break. It has clearly for some people. I mean, there are millions more people who support Trump now than there were in 2016. Uh, now, maybe they're just the silent Trump supporters now admitting that they liked him all along. Um, but I do think some people have seen like, oh, never mind, this wasn't this radical shift that, you know, the media and the left like sold to me. But you're not, you're not seeing a de-escalation from the Democratic presidential candidates. You're not seeing a de-escalation from the current office holders, right? The congressmen. Um, you're not seeing a de-escalation from the media. You're not seeing a de-escalation. Um, you're seeing an escalation from the radicals, right? More violence. See, all those people. Um, it's an escalation, escalation, not a de-escalation. Yeah. And I just, even if it's a small percentage of the population, I mean, what is it? Is it 10% of the population you need for a revolution or something like that? I, or maybe it's even smaller. Um, but, but you know, when, when entire, 
you think it's less? Yeah, it's like I mean, maybe it's like six percent or something like that. It's a it's it's a large enough percentage that it's hard to achieve, but it's also not that large. Like it's not like you only get a revolution if half the country wants it, right? Like countries have been entirely overthrown and replaced with radically different systems where a very small minority of people were actively engaged in making that happen. Um, including, by the way, the American Revolution. <laughs> like, um, if you if you took a vote, probably most people would have wanted to stay with England. Um, so, um, you know, that's well, that's just how it is. Though, right? They're just going to go along with whomever the most uh, compelling voices are. Yeah, yeah. And well, and that's um, another thing that is uh, interesting in the current debate because. We have like these two shooters, right? One of whom, uh, well, actually both of whom were technically inspired by the left. It sounds like um, supposedly the El Paso shooter was actually inspired um, to do his attack because of the Dem, um, the Democrats' presidential debates where they all said they would give illegals free healthcare. Supposedly that was the tipping point for him. But you know, let's take the standard narrative and say, you know, he was somehow radicalized, at least in part by Trump, you know, as being this, this sort of powerful voice. Then you have the Dayton shooter who liked Elizabeth Warren, of all people, which is just really hard to imagine, like Elizabeth anyone Warren like inspiring you. anyone for anything. <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, unless you're literally, unless maybe someone in Massachusetts, because they're, they have their own thing that they do, um, and more power to them, I guess. Um, but yeah, so, you know, you have, um, these uh, these figureheads, these like, or oh, I'm sorry, let's say we have the ice shooter as well, who, uh, you know, they, God, this, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to just be another person who's like, the media is unfair to the right, like no shit. Okay, I'm sorry. This isn't really my point. Yeah, obviously. But <laughs> the ice shooter, like basically cribbed his manifesto from AOC, right? Yeah. Um, from Antifa AOC. I mean, the concentration camp rhetoric is in there, like the most frequently used phrase in his entire manifesto is concentration camps, um, right? Which came directly from AOC. Uh, then, you know, Trump, what was the argument? It's like he just, he used the term that it was like an invasion. And it, then they're like, what called it an invasion? Yeah, what I've heard actually is that he used the term infestation to describe rats in Baltimore. And therefore what he really meant was Latinos. And what do you and and he's calling for the extermination of Latinos because that's what you do with infestations. Uh, that's I don't know how those dots are connected exactly, but that's the that's what they've been doing that I, what I've seen. Right. Yeah. So of course it's totally dishonest and it's totally made up, but at the same time it's like they're talking about yeah a real thing that happens. I mean absolutely these you know and these Antifa people who think that they're so radical who think that they're legit you know anarchists like. Um, you know, a lot of them will say they, they hate Democrats, um, you know, like the Antifa organization in Berkeley, if you show up to their meeting and they, they'll, they'll Google you. And if you're a registered Democrat, they won't let you in because um, you're not legitimate enough. You're not radical enough. Uh, and yet here is this Antifa guy, right? We know he's Antifa because he went to an Antifa rally and carried a gun. Um, he, you know, went supported Elizabeth Warren. Gun clubs. <laughs> yeah. 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 Maximally establishment candidate, basically. I mean, Elizabeth Warren is just the only difference between her and Joe Biden is she's female, right? <laughs> and like pretends to be a minority. Um, so, you know, that's not. And then, um, yeah, like the ice shooter is like in his head, it was very interesting to read his manifesto because, like, in his head, he's like, this is stuff that I've believed since I was a teenager in like 1950 like, or whatever, right? Like, 
and everything that every single actual concrete he talks about is a talking point from the last eight months. The last yep. eight months. This is the mentality that they have, right? This is the mentality of people on the left, and the, that's why there's such a big divide between the left and the right. Because if you're on, uh, if you're a leftist type psychologically, you know, are selected, whatever you want to call it, you're you always live in current year. <laughs> it's a perpetual present that really hampers you because you can't see the future and you can't see the past and you can't like you can't do anything really like long-term or rational when you have that mindset um but that's that's where they live um and you know people on the right i think keep expecting like oh haven't you learned the lessons of history it's like no they literally can't process the concept of history (laughs) so you and i have talked about this because this one of my I don't know. I, I vacillate between like, you started this podcast off saying like, I'm not sure you should even be on Twitter. If like people don't know already what the hell is wrong with them. Um, I, I kind of sometimes wake I, up sheeple. Yeah. Right. Up. Okay. Part of me is like, well, what am I doing? Like I'm, I'm trying to explain to people what's going on. And I feel like I'm trying to shake people and yell, you know, wake up sheep. But I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't really know what the outcome here is because you and I have also had a conversation about um, politics being an emergent property of culture. And it's not like I see super healthy culture anywhere that's going to have an emergent, even libertarian type state. Like I don't, I see, I see the right that, that I'm, I support in many ways, pushing back on the crazy left, but there, I don't, I don't see a lot of principled, thoughts coming from that i just kind of see like hey 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 we want the status quo what are you doing leftists which is like i I don't status quo is not very inspiring if that's the argument i don't know how they're going to win ultimately um yeah so like should i just be i mean i I know we're on unsafe space so i'm not going to give up unsafe space don't worry but i'm just like I don't know. Should I just go start like digging bomb shelters in Idaho and be like, screw it. You know, I'll, I'll see you guys later. Um, because I, I'm not sure what, the, what the goal is sometimes. Like I sometimes go through this, like, well, what's the goal? I, because a lot of people, even if, even if you could convince a lot of people, they're not going to do anything. They don't want to give up Netflix and Facebook and, and the easy lifestyle they have. So they're going to, the truth is, this is the scary thing. I guess this is what I'm getting at. The truth is, is when those cops knock on the doors of most gun owners, the gun owners are going to hand the guns over. That's what's going to happen. Very few people are going to be like, I guess it's time to die. <laughs> like, and fight. Like, <laughs> that's, yeah. I'd like to think that I'm one of those people, but you know, I've got a family and I've got a kid. I'm not, I wouldn't hand it over. I would probably think of a, a third alternative involving sneakers and running, but my my point is like, how many people are going to be like, yeah, I guess this is the line in the sand. We have to fight. And I, I think the vast, vast majority of even conservative right-leaning gun owners, when when that badge shows up at your door and says, there's been a law, hand over your guns, they're going to they're going to say, okay, because it won't start with all your guns. It'll be like, hand over your assault weapons. Now hand over your semi-automatic, you know, it'll, and they'll just say, okay. Your center fire. Yeah. Am I, am I being too pessimistic? No. Um, I think, I mean, we have had, you know, stricter gun laws in the past than we have now and people 
complied. Um, it's kind of interesting because if you think about what kind of populations are resilient, um, while I love the high trust, sort of low corruption culture that America used to have, it kind of seems like the casually corrupt countries maybe are a little bit better, a little bit better off. Um, one thing that's frequently pointed out by people um, in Europe, for instance, is that Italians, in Italy, guns are basically banned, but Italians have a lot of guns. <laughs> um, there's a culture there that you just don't comply with the law, basically, like when it's small things. You, you know, you, you comply with the big things. They're, they're bought into the spirit of the law which is really the more important part, the spirit of the country, um, of the nation, um, right? They, they support the system in the sense. But if it's like, oh, like the system says, like, I can't have this now, nah, fuck that. Like, I'm going to keep it, you know? Um, and if I have to bribe a cop for him to look the other way so I can keep this, then that's what I'll do. And the cop will take the bribe and he won't come back for more later. Like, it's and it's all fine, right? Um, They're and like so that Italians way. are actually well, really, really well armed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, whereas in America, it's like we're extremely law abiding to the point this is this is like what you're talking about the lawyers and stuff, right? It's like, we are very, very invested in following the rules. Um, even if the rules are like leading us in hell. Right. Um, and that's just I mean, I really think that that like most cultural things is not necessarily something you know, you might be able to tweak it, you might be able to shift it a little. I don't know if it's something you can get rid of. Um, and yeah, so we have, um, you know, at this point, it's like we, we don't have an openly corrupt culture, uh, like in a lot of parts of the world, but we have a culture where it's being run by people who are explicitly at this point, um, betraying the spirit of the system, right? The, the spirit of the laws. Um, you have, you know, presidential candidates escorting people across the border illegally. Right. Um, you know, we can't like... You can't have, you can't keep the system when it's like this, but the side that should be pushing back against this is kind of hamstrung by the fact that they want to do it within the rules. And it's like, so there's one side following all the rules and another side that doesn't follow any of the rules. And so I'm not sure where you think that's going to lead. So more and more on the right with like the new right and stuff, you are seeing people who are like, hey, we're going to hold the left to their own rules. Right. If a tactic is used against us, it's fair to use against them. Um, you still see a frustrating amount of pushback against that. Um, that kind of drives me crazy. I mean, even now, um, you know, with the Dayton shooter, um, you know, Mike Cernovich, Ali Alexander, some other people got um, put in a lot of work to document all the ties between the Dayton shooter and the left wing media in Right Wing Watch, which is run by George Soros in particular, uh, funded by George Soros, I should say. Um, also and Yes. Yeah. And pushing that out. And that's been important. Um, but you still see an unbelievable number of people saying, that's not fair. It's not their fault. He retreated. You know, whatever. It's like the same the same thing they said when he went after James Gunn and the pedophilia stuff. Right. It's like, oh, they're just jokes. We don't want people attacked for jokes. It's like, yeah, you <laughs> think it through, guys. <laughs> like if only one side ever gets fired over jokes. What do you think is going to happen to jokes, right? right? Like um, people have a really hard time kind of thinking big picture um, with that stuff. And yeah, um, 
I mean, I hope it makes a difference. I think um, what I really wish is like, and, and maybe there are people who know this and I'm just not well read enough, but I, I wish that I had had a sort of survey of like places that have gone through significant cultural shifts and not like, oh, here's the diary of like the president or like a big general at that time, but like a common person. Right. And like before the shift, during the shift and after the shift, just kind of like be able to see like, what was their thought process? How did it change? You know, because I'm kind of observing my own, but I don't know kind of the mechanics of how this stuff happens. Right. Like what kind of thing becomes a tipping point for people? Um, what kind of events really influence their thinking? Um, you know, a lot of people have the theory, like you kind of alluded to earlier, that it is strongly economic, that when people are comfortable, um, nothing will happen. Um, and so that's, what's been, <laughs> I'm starting to wonder, like legitimately wonder if Trump is like actually the worst outcome <laughs> that we could have had, um, because he is doing the boomer thing and making the economy good and thinking that will fix everything. And I won, but meanwhile, he's, you know, talking about red flag laws, he's banning bump stocks, he's, um, you know, he was never good on privacy. So he's likely, he's more likely to expand the police state than to contract it. Um, you know, we've been good about foreign entanglements, I'd say. I mean, there's some scares here and there, but for the most part, I think he's actually been been good on that. Um, but it might just be that the end result is like people get comfortable and people think like, yeah, see, following the rules works. And then the Trump era ends and, you know, you have, President Harris or President, like, whatever, psycho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Someday. President um, Kill Whitey, basically. Right. Um, President Kill Whitey. So, but hey, if it's done within the rules, right? I mean, you literally see this sometimes. I used to, ha I should have saved it. I had a, there was a horrifying tweet at one point from Ben Shapiro, who still, I mean, it just absolutely drives me nuts. He is still viewed by so many as the acceptable far right goalpost. He's not even on the right, in my opinion. Um, he had some tweet that was, um, it was, it was literally articulating what you're talking about. Basically, it was just like, as long as it's done within the rules, basically. And I can't remember what he was talking about. It was something like really bad, like something that really shouldn't be felt. But it's like, well, as long as we follow the proper procedure and protocol, like what's what's wrong with exterminating all the white people in the country? <laughs> like basically something that kind of thing. You know? Yeah, it's that. Well, it's it's he. You know, he's a lawyer, and he it's that. That's the mentality. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it almost sounds like you're arguing for collapsitarianism, which. Uh, you know, you could also argue the one thing Trump has done, which I think is more important than the economy or anything else, is he he has, I think, helped lift the veil uh, of credibility in the media in a way um, that uh, that hasn't been done in the past. And maybe maybe we will end up with President Warren or something, but maybe that lifting of the veil of the media is the first domino in what, sh what we eventually need to happen is we need people who aren't on the left to also lose trust in institutions, right? It's only like the left doesn't trust the institutions of government, um, but the right does, the right are the rule followers. And maybe to jar them out of rule following, maybe the first, maybe that first domino is like, hey, the cathedral, the media, uh, they're liars. 
and they're propagandists. They're, they're agitprop. That's what they do. And, and maybe then the next step is like what you're saying. Like maybe the next step is like, hey, you know, uh, the FBI kind of sucks. Right. Then maybe maybe yeah. it's not a noble institution. Maybe courts are illegitimate because I think once people start losing my my hope, once people start losing the institutions, it's it spirals on itself and it starts to they start rapidly losing faith in the institutions. And like if you start losing faith in the court system, um, I think everything else starts to really fall apart super quickly. Which is yeah, good. I think the media We're have to have bugaloo, boogaloo, whatever. Then I guess sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I don't think time is on the side of um, the oh, right. Uh, to say that broadly, yeah, we've got we've got a wakeful little one. Hello, you want to come here? Want to come here? Yeah, you can come here. Come, come, come. <laughs> um, yeah. So the um, I think the media. Um, destruction, which was the number one thing I was hoping to get out of a Trump presidency. Hey, come here. You can come here. It's okay. Um, I think that's well underway. It's definitely not done yet. Um, one of the challenges there is the alternative paths that, because you know, people need an alternative. It's like right now, Fox News may as well be CNN. Um, you know, they haven't been legitimately on the right. I don't, I don't know if they ever were really. Um, so that's a problem because, you know, the, the censorship efforts online have kind of eliminated a lot of our other options that we would have directed people to. Yeah. Um, they made, they made them up. They're not literally gone but they're not realistically accessible to the type of person who previously watched cable news, right? Um, so that's one problem, um, but it's a fixable problem. And I really, really hope eventually Trump or someone in Congress does something about this. I mean, that's one thing that makes me kind of hopeful about the, the way the left always overplays their hand and just the banning of Mitch McConnell's Twitter account is just so egregious. I know. Especially the reason. Yeah. <laughs> For those exactly. who don't know, the reason that his account was locked or it, it's not banned, but it's, I think it's like suspended it or suspended. locked or something. Yeah. It was, yeah, because he shared a video of left wing protesters calling in very aggressive, profane terms for his assassination. Uh, a woman screaming that he should be stabbed in the heart. Uh, so sharing. Sharing a video of what your political enemies are agitating for, which, by the way, this is not even protect, protected speech. This is what I, is like absolutely driving me crazy in the right. current system. It's just, um, it's it's so one sided on the free speech stuff. It's like the left has unlimited free speech because oh no, there's broad First Amendment protections that mean you know people can't interfere with your free speech rights. Except the police are not actually obligated to protect you at any point for any reason, uh, and therefore all that really means is that the state can't violate your First Amendment rights. So when you have a paramilitary wing of the government, Antifa, right, or at least of a, a faction of the government, um, then they can do whatever they want because the police can't stop their quote unquote First Amendment rights to incite violence. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll stand down, uh, but they can suppress the First Amendment rights of their fellow citizens because the police are not going to stop them and not going to hold them accountable. That's basically where we're at, right? So even our most 
treasured protections. And this is why I'm so hard on Trump with this red flag nonsense that he's floating, because that's absolutely the worst possible um, gun law that could be passed, like literally the worst. Uh, and the reason it's the worst is because um, any ban of a gun, any outright confiscation or ban is going to be overturned by SCOTUS. Um, SCOTUS is pretty solid on that. We don't really have to worry about it. Red flag law will stand and be used to effectively confiscate from all of the people who the government doesn't like. Yep. Uh, which even when a Republican is in power, the government as a whole doesn't like people on the right. And they definitely don't like people who own guns, whether or not they're on the right or the left. Um, so that's the end. Like That's absolutely the end of gun rights in America. And the Second uh, Amendment rights, the, the right to bear arms, is the only one that matters at this point. It's the only one that matters. The First Amendment rights mean nothing. We haven't had freedom of association since the 60s. We don't have free speech rights in any meaningful sense because, like I said, people can just buy it, can make sure that you don't get speech and the government won't do anything about it for fear of interfering with their speech. Um, so, you know, it's, it's like, it's already an archer tyranny, as we all know. And the only, only thing standing between us and literally camps, right, is the Second Amendment. Um, so I will not give Trump a break on that. A lot of people are giving me crap for it and like, oh, he's so he's still better than Hillary is better than these other things, blah, 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 whatever. He's not if this if a red flag law goes into effect. He's not. Um, no, I, I think I think you're exactly right about red flag laws. And it's uh, it's a way to it's a way to not ban. It's a way to actually get a ban gun through and ban it from exactly the people that you don't want to ban from. Like it's going to be used as a. It's just like the label Nazi, right? You say, oh, um, hitting Nazis is okay. And people like nod their heads. I guess so. That's fine. He's a Nazi or, you know, or sorry, all Trump supporters, are Nazis, like, okay, fine. And then you say that the person's a Trump supporter, like, okay, then you can hit him. It's the same kind of thing. It's like, okay, red flag laws are okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's mentally ill to support Trump. Yeah. Okay. Well, here's some Trump supporters. Like, okay. Like it's, that's how you get rid of guns from, from, selectively uh and it's not crazy to think that that's going to happen no i mean some states already have red flag laws so it's not hard to look at that um yep. empirically already too so yeah um so yeah, someone, i agree with one of the comments about bump stock ban as well um, yeah i was just going to comment on that so someone said in the in the chat that uh if the court system doesn't ultimately overturn the bump stock ban, that will be a big blow to my faith in it. It violates due process, eminent domain, the Second Amendment, as well as separation of powers. That's all of that is true. It violates all those things. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I kind of uh, I kind of feel like people on the right, I mean, I'll throw myself in this camp. Like we we keep trying to draw the line in the sand somewhere, but we don't actually do anything about it. Like Obamacare is a clear violation of the constitution it's it's completely unconstitutional and yet scotus supported that including people on the quote right on the court and you know no one's getting upset over that and this is the i guess a direct attack on the second amendment which is not true for what obamacare was but there's been plenty of examples of scotus just blatantly ignoring the constitution um i, I don't know right yeah i mean the obamacare decision was very revealing and i don't know that very many people have fully 
understood and, and sort of contextualized everything that that decision entails. Uh, because it's not just ignoring the Constitution itself. It's, <laughs> it's ignoring the law that was written, the law that they were pining on. And yep. it was ignoring um, the whole concept of judicial review, basically, like and how it's supposed to work. And that was spearheaded by John Roberts, who was appointed right. by George Bush, uh, W. Bush. Um, that should have been a huge coup for the right. The whole reason, uh, the other reason after, second most important reason for me after destroying the media, why I supported Trump was to get as many conservatives on the court as possible. He's done pretty well with that. Um, I think um, he could have done better, um, but I, I'm satisfied, let's say. Um, but, you know, it's, <laughs> it's absolutely atrocious. And if you want to talk about someone who really deserves... Uh, deserves, gosh, how do I put this in a way that won't get your channel banned? Deserves to be accountable. <laughs> okay. Um, it's W. It's W and squandering that opportunity. That was absolutely unconscionable. I mean, I just, John Roberts is an absolute tool of the left. Um, they 100% know how to control him. Um, he is their, uh, oh, what's the word? Their, their swing vote. Um, uh, it's, <laughs> you know, and, and it's not... <laughs> I don't think he's a mind-controlled Manchurian candidate or anything like that. I think they, he's just a very weak person that they know how to manipulate, right? It's a it's a virtue signaling sort of thing for him. Um, but that's like a very egregious example of a problem that we have in general on the right of a lot of people who are essentially grifters, right? Essentially people who pretend to be on the right um, because there's money to be made in telling boomer cons what they want to hear. And, but when you actually look at them and like when the chips are down, they're leftists, you know, <laughs> like, every, like ben Shapiro. every single one. Yeah. Sorry. Every which one? I cut out I'm saying that the mainstream Republicans accept every premise of the left. Yes. Yeah. Yes, every absolutely. Um, yeah. They have no idea how to draw battle lines and fight on their own terms. Trump was so good at that. And he totally lost it with uh, with El Paso. Um, it was very, very disappointing. I mean, he handled Charlottesville absolutely brilliantly. Um, he did a perfect job. It was objective. It was true. Um, it pissed off the left. So all the things that I like. Um, and it was like he totally forgot. I don't know. He completely forgot. I mean, it's to turn the – aside from the red flag thing, that's bad enough um, to talk about, um, you know <laughs> – working with the tech companies to identify mass shooters. Um, you know, again, he was never good on privacy, so I don't consider that a betrayal, uh, but it's also really stupid um, yeah. for someone who is, you know, suffering under the burden of left-wing tech censorship um, to even think that that's a reasonable notion. Um, but then uh, to also shift the conversation, allow the national conversation to be about white supremacy. Uh, and to say that white supremacy needs to be rooted out and eliminated and all of this, kind, the same kind of language, by the way, that's supposed to be so inciting and horrible, right? That's supposed to like lead to people being put in camps, you know, and they're not exactly wrong. Right. <laughs> it, it is like that's designed to motivate people to trigger their disgust reflex and all of that. Um, mm -hmm. That is how you defend yourself. Um, but, uh, you know, there... <laughs> It wasn't that long ago that the ACLU was defending the rights of neo-Nazis to march through Jewish neighborhoods, right? Yep. I mean, that was the principle. Like, actually, 
The American principle is not that we're supposed to eradicate hate. The American principle is that you can believe whatever the hell you want, but you can't violate people's rights. And so, like, you know, and I know that Trump wasn't the guy on that. We've talked about that before, how he's not the principled guy on these things. But no one is that guy anymore i mean it's absolutely the people that you know uh, maybe there's like maybe fires like one organization that might be all right with this but they don't go out of their way to defend white supremacists either um now i don't know any white supremacists to defend <laughs> personally if i ever meet one i don't know um, i guess we'll see um which does kind of give lie to the whole idea that this is this is this massive problem um and you know the fact that that's a lie is like also very relevant because if you talk about it and you set up the fact that it is a problem, but then you don't actually have white supremacists, like you say, like we don't actually have Nazis, well, then you're just going to expand the definition, right? right. So now it's like, you, you saw how the, it happened in a day. It started off as white supremacist terrorism. Then it was white nationalist terrorism. Then it was just white supremacy, just white nationalism, right? White nationalism is not the same thing as white supremacism. Um, white white nationalism terrorism is obviously a problem, right? Because uh, rights violations and all of that. So like, fine, we want to be against it. But like, it was minutes, maybe um, no more than hours before the terrorism was dropped. And now it's just saying, no, anyone who uh, we can label as a white nationalist, which by the way, includes Ben Shapiro, includes lots of people, includes Trump himself. Um, you know, we'll, we'll just throw this label around um you know that now those people simply by virtue of what they believe and their attempt to participate according to the rules in the political process uh means that all manner of violence is justified against them um and now that's not just something that's being pushed by le- by the left wing media and by left wing politicians that's something that's now been sanctioned by the president in yep. effect uh, you know to me that's the consequence of all of this so uh very very disappointing um leak for trump all in all he did use the language of like being against hate as well which i've always that always bothers me um, when we like take hate as an emotion and be like oh we have to eradicate hate because um i mean obviously it's just so easily applied to anyone about anything um well aside from that i mean I'm sure you'll appreciate this with your uh, kind of your your background and your um, uh, embrace of masculine virtues, but hate's not a bad thing. Right, it's that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad. It's, thing. Not, an, it's not a bad emotion. It's psychologically important and healthy to experience it's hatred for evil. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, I would argue you can't love without things. also hate. Yes, absolutely. It doesn't, you know, that's why you see such a like milk toast, uh, weak, uh, vague, soft version of love and what's pushed by the left as well, right? And what's in Hollywood and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, um, yeah, there's, uh, you know, that's one of the really disappointing things. And I think that, um, I think the loss of the appreciation of that has a lot to do with the decline of Christianity in the West. Um, mm-hmm. Personally, of course, if you look in you know, all the SJW converged Christian churches that we have nowadays, you'll see that same thing being said, right? It's all love thy enemy and forget hate mm-hmm. and blah, 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 whatever. And it's like, you know, you don't have to look that far into the life of Christ to see that uh, 
he he was down with like both ends of the spectrum. Yes, absolutely. In terms of those emotions, right? Yeah. Um, so that is not true Christian teaching. Um, but yeah, it's like we we lost it. And if you lose that, you've already like you've lost the fight against evil because you can't fight evil without hate for evil in your heart. You that's can't right. do it. That's right. Yes. And that's what they um, want. You know so what? That's where uh, we are. You know what you're reminding me of, Katrina? Um, it was probably almost, uh, maybe not quite 20 years ago. Uh, I don't remember when he died. So before he died, it doesn't matter. Uh, I was at Gunsight um, taking a class from from Jeff C Colonel Jeff Cooper. And um, I remember he was, uh, he said something that even at the time, I remember thinking like, wow, people, you can't say this and, and, polite society, but it's true nonetheless. And we all kind of knew it, even those of us who have not been to war. Um, but he, he said, look, if you, if you're a soldier and you believe that you're on the right side, like you're, you know, fighting the Nazis or whatever it is, there's a dirty little secret that no one will tell you. They all act like, Oh, taking another life is very traumatic. And you're very upset about it. He's like, no, it's not. If you believe that you're killing evil people, you get exhilarated by it. And it's not, it's not like he was like, it's not his psychology. He's like, this is, he, I mean, he trained, he invented the, the modern technique of the pistol. He trained probably thousands and thousands of Marines and other people. Like he, he was deep in the, in the military. And it's like time and time again, if people feel like they were fighting a just war, like killing someone that they believe was evil is that doesn't depress them. It doesn't make them like go home and question their humanity. They're like high-fiving and like, yeah, we got the bastard. And like, that's a level of, like, I think a lot of people look at that and they're like, oh, that's sick and hatred and blah, blah, blah. But like, that's justice. That's what, that's what love of justice is. It's when you see Hitler, you are happy to see his brain splattered on the wall. Like, that's what loving justice is. And it, it's the and you can't have love of justice and virtue without hatred and contempt for evil. Right, and part of the inversion that they've pushed on people is, you know, more or less just the ploy to kind of just redefine, like flip the sides of good and evil. In other words, right, because. Yeah, it's absolutely true that people can be propagandized into believing that some people are evil who aren't. Um, we're right. seeing it now. <laughs> uh, obviously, that's true. So, of course, you know, there's legitimacy to pointing out that like, oh, you know, um, the people that we were going and slaughtering in Iraq, uh, you know, were we probably should have left them alone. Not yes. like, oh, they're all saints or whatever, but like we, we shouldn't have been there, you know? And of course, we're seeing a lot more problems, psychological problems with soldiers now than we did when we had more clear-cut wars, wars where we were actually attacked, for instance, right. Um, right. and the like, um, or where we're fighting an expansionist power, um, you know, instead of just some tin pot dictator to keep into himself, more or less. Um, so that's, that's of course true. And as an ANCAP, I, I want us to get in touch with our humanity and that stuff. I don't, war kills our best and brightest. It's not good, right? It, it's, it's dysgenic. It's a terrible thing. I don't want it to happen. But the path toward that is not toward this delusional, like love of, of, evil basically i mean they don't want to label it obviously they don't label it that way but it's like 
God, I don't know. I, I'm struggling to articulate this. No, like, I, I, there's a, it's a, they want you to have infinity empathy for people who are harming you. Now, let's say it's not super intentional evil, right? It's people trying to do what's best for, like, we can talk about the illegal immigration, for instance, right? Right. Is there some, yeah, people are trying to get a better life for their family, right? The, the correct answer to that is so what? So what if it hurts my family? So what if it brings diseases? So what? Right. I don't like, of course, what, what, like, are we supposed to expect that people are going to do things and take risks and like relocate and leave, leave their home where they don't even want to leave 90% of them want to go back, right? According to surveys, uh, we're supposed to believe that they were just doing that out of because they really hate Americans and they want to screw us over. <laughs> like, no, of course they're doing it because there's some benefit to them. Yep. Of course, <laughs> that's why people do things. Uh, but you should be ready to defend your own. And yeah, that means being able to tap into hatred when the time comes. Yeah, that means your heart should absolutely be steeled against, you know, children crying when their parents are deported. Too yeah. bad. Well, and also, I mean, I think if you really want to avoid wars and you want peace, what you have to do is be able to fight the battle effectively at an intellectual level by identifying what actually is evil and what isn't evil and using your words and your passion and yes, your hatred of the evil to identify it, call it out and make sure that it's not being supported. And otherwise you end up with evil prevalent everywhere and eventually things escalate to an actually bloody war. You don't have to have the war. You can have a war of words and you can have a a battle of, of ideas, and you can prevent going to Iraq in the first place, for example, right? Um, you can say, hey, like, you know, we we don't want, I don't know, uh, let's think of an example. Immigration needs to happen legally through these channels this way, and these are the rules, and this is how it affects us, and we're going to have a very objective and, like, uh, severe look at it rather than treat like just turning turning a blind eye to any problems that happen anywhere because you know you're trying to not be hateful yeah there's a lot unfortunately a long history of exactly this stuff playing out exactly this way uh the more the more that i've kind of looked at stuff i mean the whole escalation into World War One, for instance, and World War Two was really just part two of World War One, was exactly this type of thing. I mean, 100% avoidable. Uh, literally every single country uh, had an opportunity, uh, every single country that was involved, you know, France, Russia, Germany, England, United States, um, to a large degree too, um, every single country had a significant opportunity to avoid the conflicts that they blundered uh, intentionally. I mean, it wasn't just like, oh, oops, we screwed up. Like they intentionally did something to escalate the conflict, um, you know, out of, uh, well, I mean, a combination, like a, a difficult combination of reasons. Um, and it's very sad to look back at that stuff because you see it's very similar to the immigration thing. It's like everyone in all of those countries, the population was anti-war. None of them wanted conflicts. They all wanted to be more isolationist. They weren't into this expansionist empire stuff that the elites were into. Uh, they didn't want to go into this stuff. The United States very strongly didn't want to enter even World War II. Um, and, you know, essentially had to, it, it had to be something on the scale of Pearl Harbor minimum that would get um, the United States involved, uh, which is 
probably why it was allowed to happen. Um, and you have the exact same thing now. It's like, as Ann Coulter's pointed out, how long have we had surveys of people's opinion on immigration and shown overwhelmingly that people don't want more immigration, legal or illegal, right? Overwhelmingly for like decades now, <laughs> you know, um, that in 1965, they promised us that the immigration changes would not change the demographic makeup of the country. They had to promise that because even then nobody wanted them. Right. It wasn't some uh, rosy vision like, oh, this is going to make a better future. Oh, never mind. You know, it was a straight up lie. It was a straight up lie. And it could have been reversed at so many points, so many points. But people, uh, let's say, let's target the people on the right uh, in this case. Right. The people, the people on the left just want power. Uh, the people on, you know, they'd, they'd rather be dictators over a third world country than, you know, equals <laughs> in a in a first world country. Um yep. And the people on the right, though, are just scared of being called names. Yes. That's all that was. Yep. You know? <laughs> That's all it is. You call it racist and uh, and they cower. Yeah. Right. And so now you're going to put people in a position where there's eventually going to have to be war. I mean, there's a very, very limited window at this point for there to not be war to resolve this. Um Mexico is already agitating in a sense, right? Like with this El Paso shooting and Mexico saying, we need laws in America to protect Mexican citizens in America, blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's exactly the kind of nonsense that was in the run-up to World War I, um, right? So it's, uh, I think, I, I would say we have a very narrow, very rapidly closing window to fix this. And while I am very appreciative that Trump finally had an ice raid that yielded some results, <laughs> Um, with 680 people um, going back, um, we got millions. We've got millions, and there's more coming in than there were under Obama. You know, another reason why it's like, is this uh, is this taking us in the right direction or not? Um, so yeah, it's the window's rapidly closing. Um, I think that Trump supporters need to speak up about this. I mean, if you want, um, you know. If you want to preserve your innocence, let's say, if you don't want to find yourself in a position where you are very literally having to fight to defend your family, right? Like you really need to be vocal now, um, you know, very vocal now about exactly what this is. And what this is, is not, oh, it's illegal immigration. That's the problem. It's all of the immigration. Uh, you know, people who are um, many, many, many people who are here need to go back. Um, and, you know, we need to figure out how we're going to do that as peacefully as possible. Um, but, you know, if you don't do it peacefully now, it's going to be horrific, bloody conflict later. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I, and oh, people on the right need to waited. let go of the delusion that because they have all these guns that that's going to go well for them. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, maybe I'm just more pessimistic. I don't know that there's a way to unravel anything. Um, but I mean, maybe I, we're just, you know, th I mean, this is, uh, th this could go in a lot of directions, Katrina, right? Because this is, uh, this is the problem with democracy as such. Right. So, um, you know, if you're going to have a free society and well, actually, let's just put it this way. I don't like, I know you don't either like the safety net or, you know, anything like that. But if you're going to have any sort of government programs like that or any kind of safety nets or anything like that, you can't have democracy and open borders. Like, because 
you know, people make all these arguments like, oh, the immigrants, you know, that came, immigrants built this country, immigrants did this, immigrants came from here and they did that. And they cite examples of people who came who were refugees or from, you know, this group or that group who built successful businesses. And, and those examples may all be true, but, you know, most of those things happened when we didn't have a safety net, first of all. So people were coming and, you know, they would leave if they couldn't contribute to society and, and make it on their own because there was no, you know, free healthcare in California for illegals um, or even, even legal immigrants. There was, no, there was no safety net. There was no like goodies from the government. And so I, I think it's a farce to pretend like, oh, we can continue this kind of state where we, we give people stuff and simultaneously, we can let people come into the country. Like those two things don't go together. You will end up with the entire population of the world in your country. Well, they're already saying that, right? I mean, I, I think it was funny because I think it was two years ago, uh, there was some um, nice rhetoric being used as 7 billion Americans. <laughs> um, I you know, that. response to Anyone can be an American, right? Well, it's, I don't even know if it works as rhetoric anymore because uh, I want to say it was AOC and maybe a couple of others of the squad or something um, have literally said that. They said literally America and, and uh, what was it? Uh, it was the head of some other country as well, right? There was some, uh, was it Turkey or, um, yeah, that, that, no, America belongs to everybody. America belongs to the world. Um, yeah, read your oh, yeah. wall, by the way, but that's a separate issue. Get ready. Your, yeah, your wallet your belongs to the world. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they actually... I, I, don't uh, I don't think it gets undone, Katrina. I think I think we have to... There, there's going to be actual blood and someone's... We're, someone, we're, we're either like hunker down yeah. somewhere and ride it out or, or what, but... Uh, I don't I don't see how this gets undone. It's not like Trump is actually doing anything to unwind it and unwinding it is really, really hard. Yes. Yeah. And there's zero from anyone. I mean, if you mention that at all, you just get called racist and everyone's being afraid. You know, they're, they're all afraid to be called racist. It's a very strange disconnect. Um... I mean, no civilization survives with with a significant disconnect between the rulers and the ruled. Um, it just doesn't happen. It's not stable. It can last quite a long time sometimes, especially if it's propped up by someone, um, you know, a foreign power or something like that. But we're the one that does that. So I don't think it's going to last too, too much longer for us either. Um, and yeah, they, I'm trying to think, um, you know, how many instances have there been in history of uh, sort of a peaceful transition. The transition to the current elite that we have isn't even peaceful. I mean, the the nature of the American elite shifted because of the Civil War. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the American elite used to be um, kind of the time of America that you were saying you liked when there there weren't uh, benefits and safety nets and things like that. The American elite used to be people who succeeded in the American system. People were rich before they got into political office. They were successful and famous and well-known before they got into political office, ironically, like Trump. And look what you see today. I mean, even from people who are 
nominally pro-capitalist, I heard a lot of talk, right? Uh, a lot of talk from people who were very uncomfortable with Trump precisely because he was successful before politics. Um, right. And Lincoln was the first, um, you know, this, this is why Lincoln in part is so lionized by the current elite on both sides. Um, you know, why he's one of those uncontroversial figures, even though he should be hugely controversial yeah, than what he actually yeah. did. Um, he was nobody. His entire success was in politics. He had no success in life um, prior to um, reaching extreme political success. Uh, and that's the model of the modern elite. You don't become um, an elite because you are successful in America, right? You right. become successful in America because you're an elite. Uh, and yes. that's where we've been at. Um, and we're coming to the end of that system right now, right? So what we're transitioning to now is a decentralization of the power base. Um, the power really isn't in Washington, which is part of the reason why Amer uh, Trump, this representative of the old, old American elite, um, took the power from the current elite, um, but is finding that he doesn't actually have that much power because the actual power bases are what? It's like Wall Street. It's like Silicon Valley. It's the three letter agencies. Um, yep. You know, it, it's kind of it's kind of decentralized. It's the yeah. power of the bureaucracy now. Yeah, yeah, instead of the power of the of any kind of elite. So, um, you know, that's late stage empire stuff. You know, that's well documented. Same thing happened in Rome. Um, same thing happened in the British Empire right before their collapse. So, uh, yeah, buckle up, kids. Well, um, yeah, Pete says you can't fault disadvantaged people seeking benefits. Yeah, I mean, that's the point. That's how people behave. We get that. Uh, that doesn't mean you, you have to. Them. I totally disagree with that. I but totally, look, this is what, no, 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 no. Look, you can't be an idiot when you design a system. I agree with that in terms of game. Theory, I, I guess that's what I right? mean. You can't be an idiot. But no one was being an idiot. They knew this would happen when they set up that system also. So that's the other thing is this, this framing, even in the ultimate libertarian porn, unintended consequences, right? The title is unintended consequences as though they're not intended. Right. <laughs> of course they're intended. <laughs> Yes. Like, come on. Anyway. Um, yeah. So, no, I do think, and this is something I think Stefan Molyneux pointed out recently. I think that is a mistake. I think that you do, you need to be realistic, but that doesn't mean that you don't fault people. One of the really, really cool things about morality is it doesn't seem to depend on intelligence. It doesn't seem to depend on socioeconomic status. Uh, it seems to be a totally separate capacity. Hey, maybe a soul. Who knows? Um, but a totally separate capacity that is equally available to anyone as far as we can tell. Um, you know, there, there's issues with impulse control and some other things like that um, that can be relevant. But for the most part, this is not some sort of thing that's only accessible to you if, you know, your your parents put you in a good school and, um, right. you know, you're genetically blessed or something like that. Um, there are plenty of people who are real dumb who will never steal from you. Right, who still have pride in in their productive achievement, even if the productive achievement is very minimal compared to uh, other some other people. Um, so I, I think this idea that we just have this sort of totally helpless, like like underclass who morality can't even be applied to. I mean, I think that's another thing that came out of the fall of Christianity. Right, it's like um, all those people used to be. Um, you know, kind of, kind of swept up in the religion of the time. And when the religion of the time was Christianity, which was saying, um, you know, 
work hard, take care of your family, you know, don't, don't lie and cheat and steal, don't murder, do, you know, blah, 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 then things were chill. Now the religion is the current religion of the state, which is, gives me mine, basically. Um, and so now that's how, um, you know, the, the sort of underclass is. Um, Can I, I want to clarify so, yeah, something. Go ahead. Yeah. I want to clarify something you're saying because I, I don't think it maybe is something that people would understand because you glossed over it really you said it really quickly. Um the 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 person coming in for benefits has moral responsibility because they know that they didn't earn those benefits and that those benefits are are taken from someone else at someone else's expense. And so on the one hand, you can say this is what humans do, they seek they seek betterment for their family. Yes, but um, it's not necessary for them to be part of a rapacious tax system in order to do that. Yeah, and we know that this is not overall the case because we can see, like look at photographs of America, God, not even that long ago, like in the 60s, kids would leave their bicycle. You didn't have bicycle locks. No one had a lock. Right. I didn't have a lock. I left my bicycle outside of the grocery store and no one's bike was ever stolen. Okay. Yep. If people are just looking to do what's best for their family. Well, then if no one was looking, they would steal the bike. They're not, not stealing the bike because they're going to get caught. They're not, they're not stealing the bike because they know it's wrong. Right. And poor people didn't do that. <laughs> Rich people didn't do that. Right. Thomas Sowell or Walter Williams. One of them talks about sleeping out on the, on the fire escape in Harlem. Yep. Right. Like these are cultural things. Um, that, you know, come from giving up, like giving up on holding people to moral standards. Um, yeah. So, And as you pointed out, the new religion is statism and it's, it gives me mine. That's what it is. Right, yeah. So now, of course, you know, people are going to follow that because because that is the attitude on the left and the right. Yeah, like, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? People, you know, just going to do what they do. Right. Yeah, it's absolutely moral responsibility from people. And it's a it's uh it's condescending in the elitists to be like, oh well the brown people don't have moral responsibility because they don't understand. Like yes, of course. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they know what they don't know how not to steal. Yeah. This is one of the things things I do appreciate about the new right. Uh, a lot of people on the new right I think are willing to call out the uh this racism that does exist on the right. Um and a lot of that is this uh, it's different than the left. It's it's a lot more subtle, but there's still an embrace of like cultural relativism, um, and and still very frequently this idea of just like, oh well, things are just different in these countries. So obviously people want to leave and come here, and and we should let them because like their place just sucks. And it's like, why does their place suck? <laughs> why does the place that you're a part of suck? And why aren't you doing anything about it? Right? I mean, it's like uh, it 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 becomes this very dehumanizing view of and very helpless and and I worry about that taking hold here because it's one of the things that has differentiated American civilization from the rest of the West um, is that we generally haven't had that attitude right I mean one of the um, things my uh, Polish immigrant friend often complains about when she goes back to Poland is that people in Poland are very fatalistic um, you know and, and they expect things to be bad and they expect to not be able to do anything about them yeah. Uh, and she finds it, you know, so, <laughs> um, you know, she, she greatly prefers kind of the American attitude, which is like, oh, things, things, we expect things to be good. And we also expect to be able to influence things for the good. 
Um, but that's that's rapidly shifting and going away, I think, too. And um, I hope that's something that can come back. But yeah, I, I, I admire your uh, eye toward how do we kind of rebuild something and build something with uh, true freedom and all of that. Um, personally, I'm just ready for the theocratic christian dictatorship <laughs> well if i had to choose uh like if, <laughs> if i had to choose i'll choose christianity uh ruling me than basically anything else we got going right now even though you and i are both atheists yeah. atheists uh, yes <laughs> so. i'm down man if i gotta put my head down and go to church like i'll do it you know yeah, it's uh give me it's fine if i have freedom <laughs> and i just have to say some hail marys that's okay I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's pretty, uh, it's interesting. Um, some of the kind of false stories, I think, that have been told about different points in history and how oppressive this kind of um, stuff was. It's like, there's social ritual um, that exists for a good reason. And we, you can't get rid of it. It's like, we still have social ritual now, right? We just have very messed up ones. <laughs> Um, driven by driven by SJWs. Um, tweet about you, how you have to have white. That's the ritual now, right? <laughs> something <laughs> like that. Yeah, so you have to you have to have something like that. And honestly, it's a good thing because society needs a way of identifying early and often the people who are antisocial basically. Right. And, and not antisocial and the like, I'm an, I'm a free thinking genius. Like there, there's, that's part of it. That is like a small percentage of it. But most people who are antisocial are the people who are going to turn away from morality, who are going to betray the group. Um, right. Who are, who are going to be destructive, who will destroy um, social cohesion and all that stuff. And that's what these rituals test for people who are willing to swallow their pride and participate in the social ritual are the people who are saying, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, I may not agree with this, but I, you know, overall, again, like I'm bought into this system. I'm bought into this society. I'm down with the spirit of like what we're trying to do here, right? I'm I'm on the same team as the rest of this community, uh, and I'm willing to like go through these like fairly simple rituals um, to indicate that uh, and signal that to everybody. And um, you know that's what gets so scary as we move into oh god, why do I forget struggle session, right? The the struggle session type stuff that's being pushed now. What do you mean, um, I don't know this term struggle session? I, I think that's from China. I think that was um, so it's uh, it's basically like a way to break people down psychologically by having them confess their sins um, in public. And then they're also encouraged to like rat out their neighbors. Right. Um, so I, I want to say this was done in prisons like um, in China. Though. It was China. Sorry. Well, the Hitler Youth also did that, right? Where they would uh, maybe I don't know a lot about them. Yeah. Um, I mean, you definitely had people like children were encouraged to rat out their parents and stuff like that. But the important part of the struggle session was like so breaking down the self um, through the ritual of saying all of the things, all of your impure thoughts, basically uh, in front of all these people. Um, so, and then on top of that. Um, breaking down any possible trust and and social cohesion between you and your fellow prisoners by having you uh, <laughs> by having you 
sweetie. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a nice girl. Thank you. Um, by having you uh, rat them out, um, and and it was very effective. It's one of the most effective brainwashing techniques that's been developed, and uh, a version of that is what we see now um, with the you know the well the kind of stuff that your co-host can talk about right, um, right in some of the conversations that she shared. Yeah. Um, so so we're not way, yet at the point where everyone has to do that, but obviously there's a significant component of the culture where that's that's the ritual. And then, um, you know, as for the main part of the culture, I mean, it's kind of a rising, I think, because of this power vacuum. Like, what does the main part of the culture have? It's like, you know, you can't even necessarily, like, you just have pretty simple things. It's like, yeah, you didn't have to go to church every Sunday, but it's like, maybe you went Christmas and Easter and like, you send Merry Christmas to people. You sent Christmas card. Like now, you can't even say Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> like, ugh. But, I get so, the weirdest stuff. I just. You, you're right. It was um, struggle session was a form. This is from Wikipedia. It was a form of public humiliation and torture that was used by the Communist Party of China in the Mao era during the Cultural Revolution, um, and it was inspired, of course, by uh, similar ideas of criticism and self-criticism in the Soviet Union from the 1920s. So. Uh, one communist dictator inspired by another. Uh, yes, yeah, and for sure. and social justice inspired by both. So, yep, yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it's a weird, it's a weird time. It's definitely, you know, I'm glad. I don't, I don't want to be too negative because I am glad to see the people who are standing up and starting to fight. Um, I like you. It's I think it's probably too little, too late. Um, but hey, at least some of it happened eventually. I hope we can document, 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 and have people learn, you know, some lessons for the future. Maybe give it, give it another go at some I don't point. I don't think it's too late to have a, at least a coalition of enough people exists somewhere in the world, probably somewhere in the continental United States that kind of carries the torch of these ideas in some sort of protected way from which like culture can, society can grow again. I don't think it's too late for that necessarily, um, but it's getting there and it's, and it's, that's not an easy thing. It's gonna be a slog. If that's the way it goes, which is the best case, it's still a slog. Like, I think we're gonna grow our own food yeah yeah i definitely don't disagree <laughs> um wow, but you know thanks in for the all the, the happiness that we've spread across the yeah, internet no and, and I'm, optimism. A, I'm a little ray of sunshine <laughs> by right. the way have babies um, start a garden get on well water thing, one great thing about having kids is you get to play with nerf guns I had, I forgot about Nerf guns and uh, <laughs> I don't get to the actual gun range very much, but kids have Nerf guns. I just have kids. You get to, you get to play with <laughs> So Katrina, thank you Bye. for joining. Uh, thank you for your honesty and Frank. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. <laughs> um, <laughs> you and I will talk later, but uh yeah, have a good one. Uh, don't let her get on camera. Get out of camera. All right. <laughs> she's, now she's like comically leaning back <laughs> to like stay out of the frame. Is it off now? Uh, not yet. 
I'm just saying goodbye. You oh. can wave if you want. I'll stop. Bye. <laughs>